what does it mean to be a political candidate? It means to have a yard sign. And in 2022, it means to have a website. I'm Eric Wilson, managing partner of Startup Caucus, an investment fund and incubator for Republican campaign technology. Welcome to the Business of Politics show. On this podcast, we bring you into conversation with the entrepreneurs who build best-in-class political businesses, the funders who provide the capital, and the operatives who put it all together to win campaigns. Our guest today is Max Cowan, the co-founder of Rival and a Startup Caucus entrepreneur in residence. Max's professional background is in graphic design. Rival is a platform that helps political candidates build their own professional websites in just minutes for an affordable cost. And in today's episode, we discuss his journey building a product for this space, his experience as a startup founder, and the challenges of building websites for campaigns. Max, I think listeners would be surprised to hear that in 2022, there are still candidates for political office that don't have a website for their campaign, but that is definitely the situation we find ourselves in today. Can you give us a sense of why this is the case? Political campaigns for a long time have been serviced by agencies that really had to charge a huge fee to build websites. And ultimately, those websites were loss leaders for those agencies. They really didn't see a whole lot of profit from the websites themselves. And what they ultimately wanted was the digital ads, so selling ads to candidates. And for that reason, I think there are a lot of campaigns, especially down ballot, that don't have the budgets to make it profitable for an agency to build their website. We see a lot of campaigns that even for state house or state senate that have survived without a website for you know a number of years. So they've never really seen the purpose of getting online. You do need a website to get discovered by voters, you know, raising money, being able to advertise on platforms like Facebook. And so as candidates have tapped into this reality and the existing agency business model hasn't adapted to serve them, we've seen a lot of campaigns turn to those do-it-yourself builders like a Wix or a Squarespace. And while those are certainly good for things like small businesses, they're not always right for campaigns. Can you share some of the reasons why that is the case? Absolutely. So we see this all the time that campaigns are one of two categories. Either they had somebody's cousin or, you know, their brother or daughter or, uh, you know, whoever who built them a website that really is pretty amateur, or they tried building one themselves using Squarespace or Wix. And we tell campaigns all the time that these just don't work for political because you're going to spend a lot of your time building out things that every campaign website needs. You need a disclaimer at the bottom. You're going to need donate buttons. All of these sites are going to need forms for volunteers um, and for contact that, you know, a burger restaurant doesn't really look for volunteers in the same way that a political campaign does. So we see it all the time that those, you know, drag and drop editors are not tailored for political candidates. I also think that, you know, frankly, they give much too much freedom on the design side that can be overwhelming to candidates that are not graphic designers. I think Squarespace and Wix, they really started out as tools to help graphic designers who were building websites speed up their design process. So we've been you know, focused on trying to educate candidates that you're going to spend a lot of your time building out things that every campaign needs that these editors really don't serve you well. 
Yeah. And that's a really interesting thing that you do see with candidates specifically who spend a lot of time on these do-it-yourself website builders. So it is such a an easy thing to invest your time on. Where, whereas getting out and meeting voters and like talking to the press is where you're going to get punched in the face. And so, you know, psychologically, a lot of them will use that as a, oh, I'm still working on my website, almost like a security blanket for getting out into office. Whereas, you know, Rival is very much pushing them out of the nest very quickly. So Max, give folks listening a sense of what are those must-haves that any campaign website needs to have in order to match voters' expectations in 2022? Yeah, we always like to say that the website's really a tool. It doesn't need to be much more than a business card at this point that for a lot of these smaller down-ballot races, you're not going to need a huge website with you know constant news updates, lots of photos that really, you'd be lucky to have a few dozen or a few hundred visitors in a good month for a lot of small campaigns. So we try and focus on on the things that really matter. Um, we tell candidates that all the time that, you know, really, you just need a donate button. You need a little bit of info about yourself for people who are interested to learn more. And you need some way for people to get involved or get in touch, some kind of contact form. And if you've got those three things, your campaign really will do just fine. You don't need endorsement pages. You don't need news updates. All of those things are distractions. And that, you know, we also like to tell candidates that your website doesn't win votes, that really engaging with voters is what um, candidates' time is best spent on. And that if you're spending hours updating your website, tweaking little things, making sure that your photo looks nice, it's a waste of the candidate's time. So that's where Rival really tried to step in and say, we want to take that off of the candidate's plate so that they can spend more time doing the things that really win elections. And I think that's the right perspective to have. Certainly, you, you've just got to have a bare minimum of professionalism with your campaign being discoverable on Google search, for example, or, or you know, linked to from any of the news outlets or ballot aggregators that exist. Right. And I think there is some sense, and, and you certainly see this when you look at campaigns, that they can just get away with oh, I just need a Facebook profile or an Instagram page or a Twitter profile. And those really aren't up for the job. Explain why that's the case. Because I think people say, oh, well, you know, all my voters are on Facebook. Why don't I just have a presence there? It really comes down to how you think about your website and what its purpose is. So it's not a replacement for a Facebook page. And a Facebook page isn't a replacement for a website. A website's really good at providing lift. So all of these other activities that you're doing, whether it's, you know, mailers, door knocking, posting on Facebook or other social media, the website is a way to really push people up the ladder to take that next step. So if somebody's engaging with you on Facebook, you then want to tell them, thanks for engaging on Facebook. You really should go to my website and sign up to volunteer or you need to become a donor. And that in all of these other platforms where you're generating leads, where you're engaging with voters, the website really is the tool. It's that that ladder to get people more engaged with your campaign, to get volunteers and to get donors. So that's why we tell candidates that it's super important that you have a website, not just as a replacement for Facebook, it's not really social media. If people want constant updates or they want to engage with the campaign in that way, 
they're still going to find you on Facebook. There's no reason why you can't do all of it. And a good website, when it's crafted professionally, you can sort of forget about it, that you're going to set it up once. You don't have to devote a lot of time to it. And it's going to be providing that lift, getting you more money and more volunteers as you do the other things that you're doing to campaign. And I think the, the you can go to the other extreme, right, where people expect their website to do so much, right? And so like you go to these websites and it's like, okay, here are all of my endorsements. Here's the nice things uh, that anyone have ever said about me. And here's every photo I've ever taken with another politician. And, and you know, these are meant to be helpful. I think they're coming from a place of, of like, we just need to get it out there and make it easier for people to find. But there's not much empathy for the voter in figuring out like, what is the problem that we're, we're trying to get them to solve? And so you and I joke a lot about the, the, the sort of graphic design is my passion as, as yeah. a joke. Uh, <laughs> when, when people sort of go too overboard on the design elements and you're a graphic designer, does that make you nervous when you give people control over those decisions or, or how have you architected that in a way with Rival that the choices are limited? It's sort of like going to Chipotle or Subway, right? Where you've got to figure out how every combination is going to work, even if someone messes it up. Yeah. I mean, we see it all the time and I've really learned that it doesn't have to be beautiful to be successful. Some campaigns love, we just did, you know, had a campaign, build a website and it was all red and yellow. To me, it just looked like a McDonald's ad. And you know what? It was bold. It was eye-catching. And the truth is that no voter is going to change their mind because I didn't like the colors of the website. The truth is that we need to focus on making sure that these tools work. And I think that's where Rival, we really focused. Squarespace and Wix, these other builders, they give you so much design freedom that ultimately people build buttons that break, the site isn't mobile responsive, you know, photos get cut off in strange ways. And we're really focused on on building out Rival in a way that makes sure all of these pieces function, that you can click on every button, you can read every menu, but that we don't necessarily try and tell someone what we think is attractive. So it's it's sort of this delicate balance of saying, how can we give people the freedom to design something that they find attractive, even if we don't, but also make sure that it, it works right. So that's really sort of the, the balancing act there. I mean, if I had, you know, my way, I'd be designing the look of every campaign and telling them what's beautiful and what's not. But that's not really our job. You're listening to the Business of Politics show. I'm speaking with Max Cowan from Rival, which is a website builder for political candidates. And Rival definitely classifies as, as a lean startup. You're in the market now with a minimum viable product, an MVP, as we call it, and you've got paying customers. Why do you think that was the right approach for the problem you were trying to solve? We came from a world where we were doing custom WordPress builds for every campaign. And we had a belief that we could build websites faster and empower campaigns to build them themselves. And the lean startup model really made sense for us because we didn't know if people really would pay for the ability to build the website themselves or if they just wanted cheaper. And so you know, really, that was a big step for us is trying to prove that campaigns and candidates will take a tool that we give them and and build a website themselves. So that was sort of the lean startup, the central question, our hypothesis that we had to prove before we 
ever invested serious money into building out some fancy Squarespace knockoff that ultimately may or may not work. That's a really important lesson that I just want to underline for listeners, which is you had a hypothesis or a test that you wanted to prove out, which was, is the desire for cheaper or are they willing to do it themselves? And so you got a product that answered that question very quickly. I think you've got your answer. There are clearly people who are looking to have a website done correctly for their political campaign. And by the way, being able to do that affordably is a huge advantage. When it comes to Rival, Max, you and your co-founder have been some of the most disciplined founders that I've worked with in the space about saying no to feature requests and being very intentional about the product, sort of limiting the features that you roll out. And so how have you dealt with that tension of wanting to serve your customers who are ready to give you money to pay for something, but also keeping your eye on the vision of the product and long-term where you want it to go. We've had campaigns that have come to us and they've wanted, you know, very specialized features. And we have to keep reminding ourselves that we're not competing with, we aren't a replacement for these agencies that do large, complex, custom websites. And so reminding ourselves that when we get a congressional campaign that wants to build out fancy news, they want to build out a custom look, that's not our customer. And so we've really had to focus on believing that there are other customers out there and it's okay to say, we can't make our product more complicated because that's antithetical to our central belief that we're designing a simple tool for down ballot races. It's painful. I mean, it, there's, there's no doubt about it that saying no to somebody who wants to pay you really hurts, but we've had to remind ourselves that those aren't our customers. We just have to find our market. Easier said than done, but it does take that recognition and I think most importantly, articulating what it is that you're you're trying to build and the, the vision that you're going for. So what has surprised you the most about the experience uh, building Rival? Is there a assumption or theory that you had before you started that you have since had to update? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the biggest things that in the custom website world where the, we were working with consultants and and a lot of these you know larger campaigns they'd come to us and they'd want a website in a week right they'd want a, a website as soon as possible because they were ready to launch and so when we first started taking clients on the the platform for rival we weren't seeing people creating websites quickly and it and it really made us nervous and it turns out that for a lot of these smaller races, this was the first thing they were doing. And we've seen that they've come back sometimes two, three months later and finished their websites. And so it was really surprising that these campaigns, I think if you were we talking to me, you know, 20 years ago, I think the first thing these campaigns would be doing is trying to figure out how to buy yard signs, because it's the thing that you see it's the thing that a candidate who's never done this before looks out into the world and they say, what does it mean to be a political candidate? It means to have a yard sign. And in 2022, it means to have a website. And so they're doing this as the first thing and then realizing, oh, shoot, I need a bank account. I need to file for office. I need to register a committee. And then they're realizing, oh, shoot, let me go do these other things. And I'll come back to my website when I'm 
you know, ready to launch. And I think one of the really interesting things that you've recognized in that is creating content around those people. Talk a little bit about the the guide that you have out now to help these first-time candidates. Yeah. So we've really been focused on how can we provide useful resources for our customers that that content marketing is going to be really important to us. And so we built, you know, freecampaignguide.com, which walks campaigns through those first 10 steps. How do you go from nothing to launched in just 10 steps? Um, so that's one of the resources. And we've been working on the, you know, the blog on our website to provide answers to these questions. And we see it all the time that these candidates, you know, we have a help feature where they can submit, you know, technical uh, help requests for their website. And we get people asking all kinds of questions. How do I find donors? You know, what can I get? A, how do I design a logo? You know, all of these things that, you know, where can I sign up to take donations online? All of those things are, you know, we never thought we'd be answering those questions, but we really have have recognized that for a lot of these campaigns, we are the first thing they're interacting with rather than a political consultant or some state party entity that that they find us first. And, and we're really trying to take that on as a, an opportunity to engage with them and help them launch their campaign successfully. And I think one of the other thing that's been surprising uh, to me working w- with you on Rival has been the, the lack of, I guess, software as a service culture in politics, right? Where customers are still really interested in having conversations, getting a demo, even though for a product like Rival, you know, it is right now $35 a month to do a website. And that is not something that you can scale over the long term are those individual demos. How have you encountered that and dealt with that challenge? I really think, and we're still answering this question. I mean, this is sort of the core of our challenge is how do we get people to try it? Because we see that when people try it, they really like it. They find it useful. They're able to build a website quickly. And so we have to remove all of those barriers to entry. So we don't require a credit card to sign up. We are constantly telling people, you know, just try it out and we're here to help you. So that's some new messaging that we're trying to engage with these people to tell them, just try it. And if you get stuck, if you get lost, we're here to support you and to help you. And I think that that message, letting them know that, you know, they're not alone is really what they're asking for when they say, can you show me a demo? Can you teach me how to use the product? They're really saying, I'm scared to try a new tool without help. And so reminding them that at the other end of this, we're not a huge tech company. We're not Squarespace. We are real campaign operatives on the other end of this who are happy to answer those questions and and help them if they get stuck. So sharing that with these candidates, I think is really important to try and get them to to just try it. Max, what advice or, or lesson learned would you pass along to someone who's listening and thinking about making that leap to becoming an entrepreneur in the political space? If I could share one thing, and this was some advice we got early on was we don't have a tech problem. Really what we have is a sales problem. I think that's, you know, most often what people need to recognize is that we're just trying to marry up solutions that exist out in the world and bring them to these campaigns in a way that makes that platform the most useful for candidates. That's my two cents on the what it takes to become an entrepreneur. I think ultimately in this business, you've got to be a salesman. 
the sooner you can get to something to sell to people, the the better, right? And so, right. like we were talking about with the lean startup and getting a product in people's hands, figuring out what are the pain points, the objections, how things are purchased is all really critical. Campaign operatives know this. The life cycle is so short in campaigns that y- you really can try out new things. There's so much room for you to say, I want to learn how to do this. I'm going to do it fast. I'm going to do it lean. That's something I think that's really exciting about the campaign world, that the end of every year, every two years, depending on the you know election, there's a whole new crop of candidates and you have the space to try new things and be adventurous with what you want to try and build. Well, thank you, Max, for joining us today. This has been a really fascinating conversation. Our listeners can go try Rival for free at Rival.com right now. We'll also be linking to your campaign guide in the show notes as well for folks that want to go check that out. So I want to say thank you to our listeners for joining us today. And please remember to subscribe to the Business of Politics show wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure and share this episode with a friend or colleague if it made you just a little bit smarter or gave you a new idea. Until next time.